Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, February the 12th in 2021 on Winter Rise. We're currently in year B and this is Transfiguration Sunday, once again the last Sunday before we begin the season of Lent, leading us to the season of Easter. And on Fridays of the week, we like to take a look at the gospel from the Revised Common Lectionary text for the week. So we're going to be in the gospel of Mark again, but we're going to jump ahead to Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. This is the narrative of Jesus being transfigured on the mountain, which is the whole reason for the Sunday. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, then I'll spend some time praying along his theme. Thanks for making this party morning on Winter Eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise and be God together in a time of prayer. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them alone up a high mountain privately. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiantly white, more so than any launderer in the world could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared before them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For they were afraid, and he did not know what to say. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my one dear son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with him anymore except for Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept this statement to themselves, discussing what this rising from the dead meant. This is the word of God for us. One of my favorite apps out there is one called TimeHop. What TimeHop does is when it gets access to one social media account, it will take all the posts, like all the pictures, all the status updates, all the articles that one posts, and it'll put them in like a a bin of memory and almost like a records keeping so that anytime you open the app, it'll tell you what you posted seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago. And so you can see this lineage of things that happened. And Facebook ended up integrating this with Facebook memories. And so you can see what you posted this time last year or three or four years ago. I think those things are important. It's kind of fun to see the pictures that we post and I've got kids. And so it's fun to see how we're all changing year after year. Um, but they have a, this, this memory has a, a certain purpose. It's not supposed to remind you fresh and new uh, that I have kids. Like just today, the, the, uh, the time of this recording was uh, Avery and I went to a daddy-daughter dance, right? And it was a year ago. And I was able to see what she looked like and what I looked like. And it, it reminded me of the fun that we had and the night that we had. But it didn't remind me that I had a daughter. Like uh, that's something I always remembered. But it still serves like a maybe a fine-tuned a memory of an event, something that happened. I think that's what the worship community does as well. It certainly is what Israel employed it to do in Jesus' day. There were certain high and holy days that Israel would celebrate uh, through festivals and through parties and through literature and through the sacred text and through songs, right? Uh, these things weren't meant to refresh, completely refresh the memories of the worshipers, but to remind them the things that they already knew, right? Passover is something that you would know about. You wouldn't have to take it back from square one and get the whole data download again. You would just need to be reminded. And this is, I think, what's going on in the story of the transfiguration. 
this is when the glory of God shines around Jesus. Um, this is another time in which the Father speaks an affirmation over the Son like he did earlier in the story when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. It wasn't like the disciples who went with Jesus needed to know for the first time who Jesus was and what he's able to do. I mean, if we're following the story of Mark, Jesus, before we get out of the first chapter of Mark, Jesus' popularity is so wild, so high, he has to withdraw to lonely places because crowds followed him everywhere. So someone, the significance of who Jesus is didn't need to be refreshed upon the minds of Jesus' disciples. But perhaps what they needed to hear once again is the significance of all that he was doing. There's a lot that's going on in the story of the Transfiguration, and we read it year after year, and so we might draw some conclusions. Uh, but I think one thing that's hidden in the text, something that I, that's landing upon my mind today is, sure, Jesus shows up on this mountain. He's with three of his disciples, and Moses and Elijah are with him, which would have been outstanding. And the fact that Peter knows who they are is just really interesting too, right? But I like Peter's response is revealing, right? He is saying, hey, it's good for us to be here. Can we put shelters up so that we can continue to experience this moment? Now, uh, Mark, is <laughs> would you love for Peter to be aware of what Mark has written here? It says, for they were afraid and he did not know what he... <laughs> what to say. So basically, Mark is confessing that Peter is just kind of just kind of talking. He has no idea. He's just kind of, you know, rambling here, spitballing about what is going on here. But actually, Peter is living into his Jewishness. Up to that point, the glory of God was contained in a tent of meeting or was contained in the temple in Jerusalem. Peter is a good Jew. They contain the glory of God. The glory of God is simply God's reputation in the world. That's why when Israel is walking away from God and doing shameful things, that God gets angry at them because his reputation is somehow tied up with what happens to this group of people. And so if they profane the name of their God, they profane him among the nations and bring shame upon their God, right? So this is a pattern that we see in the Old Testament. So Peter's like, when he says, I want to build shelters, he's just doing like, this is something for us uh, to enjoy. But notice Jesus, um, he doesn't want to go along with this plan because there's a subtle hint that's being expressed here that the thing for, of which the Jews felt like was uniquely theirs is actually going to be distributed to the nations. Um, in order to contain something, you have to let it go. That's the wisdom that we find deep within biblical spirituality is that we never contain something for ourselves. If we do, we don't actually have it, right? Like the tighter you hold something in your fist uh, because of object displacement, it actually leaves our hand. And we may have a tight grip on it, but we have less of it in our possession. In the same way, church, people of God, we cannot contain what God wants to do in the world. He does uniquely use the church, but God is up to so much that we get to be called into and participate in with God. It doesn't start with us. It doesn't end with us. We merely are those who host the outworking of God's plan, which has a lot of ramifications, which is something that we can pray about this morning. So let's spend some time praying together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've drawn us into your family. We thank you that you've forgiven us our sins. You've given us salvation and hope. And we thank you that 
we have this unique calling uh, as Christians. Um, we never seem to master this life, but we are experienced in this life. We become mature in our faith, but we never finish it. Uh, it's finished at the end when you finish it. And so God, forgive us when we carry this disposition with us that we have it all, that we've got the answers to all the questions, and we um, have all of the data of all the mysteries out there. Uh, we think that uh, you've called us to be like curators of a sacred museum where we get to walk with guests and we get to simply highlight the contours of redemptive history and what you've been doing in the world, what you've been doing in our lives, and what you might be up to in the lives of others. And so God, I thank you that you resist this uh, initiative that we have from time to time to build shelters to contain you. I thank you that you're, you're no longer into that sort of thing, uh, but you're into having this thing pass on from person to person, from community to community. And so God, help us to be eager to share. Help us to be eager uh, to help curate what might be going on in people's lives and helping them lead them closer and closer to you so that ultimately they can meet you and not meet us, but meet you within us. And so God, this day, make us those who are eager to do good works so that we continue to talk about the grace of God, which has appeared to all people, that gives us salvation. So God, we pray that salvation would spring up and righteousness would grow with it alongside of it. And we pray that people would be captivated by your love because God, we confess, we are captivated by your love. So help us as we walk among those who are seeking today. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.